Good morning. I have to admit that I wake up every day excited that I get to be a part of this church and one of the pastors here. My name is Kathy Connor, and I'm so delighted that you're here this morning. And I will tell you, in the face of everything going on in the world right now, I want to encourage you because I believe that God is inviting us all on a bold adventure of faith in 2021. And I will hope that you would use this as an opportunity to say yes to God's invitation and deepen in your relationship with Jesus or discover what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, perhaps for the very first time. If you are new to First Pres, welcome. And we invite you to go to our website after worship, fill out a connect card, which you can access by scanning that QR code. It will take you directly to the card itself. That way we can help you get connected in to the life of the church, help you find a life group, how to serve. We want the opportunity to pray for you and more. I also ask that you would share this service on Facebook so that others can worship with us this morning. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, some of us have come in here this morning with anxious hearts. Some of us, Lord, are grieving. Others are just sort of lost in a state of uh, difficulty because of all the challenges, not only personally, but in our world. And some of us who are here are celebrating weddings, births, fresh starts. But what I love, Lord, is that you say to us, come as you are. And then you fill us up. You refresh us. You make us new as you promise you will, that you will make all things new. Our hearts, our relationships, our businesses, our life at school, our neighborhoods, our church, everything, everything, even our world. Lord, thank you that you are on the throne and you invite us to come boldly to your throne of grace. And so we do. And we pray this morning for those we know, Lord, who are struggling, who are hurting, who are sick, who need healing, who are lonely. And in the silence of our hearts, we lift them up to you now. Father, we also pray with thanksgiving in our hearts for the successful surgery that Jim Canali had last Friday for pelvic cancer. And Lord, we are claiming healness and wholeness for him because you are the great physician. We continue, Lord, to pray for Alina Callahan's mother as she struggles with COVID-19. But also, Father, for Carol Dollar's aunt, battling COVID, Lisa Turley's mother and Jim Turley's uncle, both recovering from COVID. Lord, there are so many people that we could name who need your holy intervention. And we thank you that you are reliable and good. And Lord, that your promises are real and we can grab hold of them and trust you. And you are certainly giving us opportunities to trust you even more. Lord, we also lift up those we know who don't yet know you. And we ask that you would use this moment in history to draw them to you, draw them to your heart. We already know that you're speaking their name. We already know that you're whispering in their life. We pray that they will recognize that it's you and that you're offering them life. Help us now, Lord to raise a hallelujah to you as a way of saying we're going to trust you more in spite of everything that's going on that seems so hard. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand and sing this next one. Raise a hallelujah. In the middle of the storm, we worship him. Let's sing this together. Thank you. 
to join us for the One Word Workshop last week, it's not too late. This is the perfect time to think and pray about one word for the year that God will use to shape and transform your heart. 
We have online resources to help guide you, and we would also love to help you find a passage of scripture to connect to your word, even a song. All of that so that God can use those things to continue to bring that word to life in your life. So if this morning you get a parking ticket, and you probably will if you're parking somewhere on the street, what we want you to do is give it to us. Do not pay for that ticket. Here's what's going on. The city of Tampa recently decided to start charging for parking on this side of town. However, we are working on it. We hope to get that reversed. But in the meantime, you may get a ticket. And so what you can even do this morning is if you got one, just simply drive by the church and stuff the ticket through the office door. There's a slat there for mail, a slot. I said slat. What's a slat? <laughs> Never heard of that before. Um, but that's what we want you to do. If you forget and you take it home and you're thinking, oh, no, 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 no. I want to get, I will come to your house and get it. We really want to take care of that for you. So please help us out in that way. I'm coming. We are going sorry. We are going we are going to now have Presbyterian church governance take place right in front of us. It's representative democracy. This is the way that we do things in order to find and elect and employ and, and install leaders. And you voted for all this stuff and you probably don't remember. But what you did is you elected these four persons to be the class of elders, total of 12 elders on our leadership team called the session. And each year we have a turnover of four. So these four people have been elected by you to be the class of elders for 2023. In other words, this year, next year, and the following. Three of the four of them have already been on the session and are returning for a second three-year term. We are today also ordaining, the other three have been ordained, but we're ordaining and installing Danielle Mackey. So here's what I want to have happen. We, we, we're going to ask the four persons to come forward. Danielle, if you'd come up and you stand right over here next to me. McLean Murphy and Burton Tuttle and Roger Pierce are also here. Again, reminding you, Burton and Roger and McLean were ordained and installed three years ago right now. And this morning, we're adding to the session Danielle Mackey. We had one person rotate off who finished six years. That was Aaron Carlson. So all of these folks here, there were two different seasons of voting where you elected a, a committee and then you elected the committee's nomination. So that's who these fine folks are. And I'm going to ask them a list of questions. You see it? I want you to listen really carefully to these questions because what you have done is pick people who are capable of fulfilling the vow that these questions represent. They are all capable of it. Three of them have been living and serving in that way already. And Danielle, because we've been watching and she's been in the leadership positions in the church already, as are several more of you who are on our hit list coming up in the future. This is a really cool thing. We listen to God as we watch people lead, and then we, we till it, and the next thing you know, people come through the pipeline, so to speak, and they're the folks that we believe that God has placed in our leadership position. So that's what's happening here. So I'm going to read these questions of these four folks, and they're going to respond, I will or I do. We're not getting married. But, and, and then, it, hold on, you get to answer two questions also. Are you ready? So, my friends, do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior? Acknowledge him, Lord of all, and head of the church, and through him, believe in one God, Father, Son, and Spirit, do you? Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ and the church universal, and are they God's word to you? Do you? I think I messed that one up, didn't I? <laughs> and they are. Thank you, Roger. This is the third question. Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essentials of the Reformed faith? I'm going to hit a pause button. Is it okay if I do that? 
This is fancy church language talking about the really beautiful river of ideas out of all the ways that Christians have expressed their understanding of the meaning of Christian faith. You have the folks like Roman Catholics and the liturgical, and you have all these different rivers. We agree on almost everything, and the the things we don't agree on aren't essential, but we call it reformed, R-E-F-O-R-M-E-D, and it's just a way of talking about this family of ideas, and they're magnificent. You believe them, you just don't know there's this fancy kind of scholarly historical way of describing them. So that's what they're saying here when they respond to these questions. Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our church as authentic and reliable expositions of what Scripture leads us to believe and do? And will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God? I do and I will. Will you fulfill your ministry in obedience to Jesus Christ? under the authority of Scripture and be continually guided by Scripture and by our confessions, will you? Will you be governed by our church's polity? Polity is a fancy word that means rules, governance, ways of doing things. Will you be governed by our church's policy and will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them, subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit, will you? Will you in your own life seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world, will you? Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church? Do you? You do. I will and I do. Will you pray for and seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? Will you? Will you be a faithful ruling elder, watching over the people, providing for their worship, their nurture, and their opportunity to serve? Will you share in our government? Will you share serving in the church and in your ministry will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus will you I knew y'all were going to answer those the way you did so we, we we've been having a love fest because this is just such an honor to be doing this together and these folks are feel honored and they express it openly and I feel honored and you should feel honored and now here's a way you get to express your honor do we as the members of this church, the First Presbyterian Church of Tampa, Tampa, except Danielle and Roger and Burton and McLean, as our ruling elders, chosen by God through the voice of this congregation, will we accept them to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ? Will we? No. Do we agree to pray for them, to encourage them, to respect their decisions and follow as they guide us, serving Jesus Christ, Who alone is the head of the church, do we? Fantastic. So what's going to happen now is this. Normally, every person who's an elder, any minister, would come forward. Although I'm going to invite everybody to do it if you would like to. But we're not going to come forward because we have to keep socially distant. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray a prayer. Kathy's going to pray it. And two things are happening in this prayer. One is all four of them are getting installed as the ruling elder class of 2023, but also I'm going to, instead of laying hands on her, I'm going to, on behalf of all of us, lay elbow on her elbow because we're also praying the prayer of ordination for Danielle. And you should know that Danielle's family, hi, they're here, right? Yeah, Danielle has family who are here with us. And I hope you can see me online and I hope you can see all of this. And so let's everybody come over here. And Danielle, you stand right next to me. And and this is what we're going to do. Just a couple of you on the other side of Kathy, and I want anybody who wants to feel like you're a part of this laying on of hands and prayer, just stand up and maybe put your hand out or something like that. Any elder or minister in the church or anybody else who just wants to stand, you can stand up right now, and if you want to do this, this is a way of sort of extending your hands on everybody, and I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put my hand on your shoulder. Is that all right? Yeah. And two. Please pray with me, and I'm going to just invite everyone to stand and just put your hand out as a sign of support and care. 
Heavenly Father, we are so excited and grateful for the men and women that you have chosen to serve as elders. Bless Danielle, McLean, Burton, and Roger with the fullness of your spirit, giving them the passion, the grace, and the humility to serve you and lead well. And at the same time, Father, we ask that you would refresh them and draw them even closer to you. So bless them and keep them, Lord. Shine your face upon them, enabling them to serve you with energy, imagination, intelligence, and love, all in the name of the Jesus from whom all blessings flow. Amen. Amen. Normally we'd have a big hug and we're not going to do that either, but... In 2 Corinthians, Paul says that God loves a cheerful giver. Well, you are cheerful givers, and your generosity is contagious. A local businessman who is also a follower of Jesus told me last week that he is so inspired by our commitment and love for those who are homeless and vulnerable that he handed me a very large check to cheer us on as a way of saying, yes, keep going. Well, here are five ways that we can continue to please the heart of God with our cheerful giving. I invite you all to stand back up. We're going to dim the lights. And this, this next song is taken right out of Numbers. Um, number 6, 24 through 26, it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. That kind of peace only comes from God. And let's sing this song uh, together. Here we go.
We have been in a series, this is week three, we're calling it Pack Your Bags, and here's what we've been trying to ask. What's coming next? And everybody has a what's next, and is it possible for me to do things now that can influence in a good way what happens then? What's next, and how might God help me be ready and do things today that will have an impact that's helpful, that's good, that's a part of God's plan for then? We got now and we got then, and we have things that are coming that are coming next. And, and I, just for no extra charge, I thought you'd like to know that a fellow named Mark Twain had something to say about this. So there's this little something from Mark Twain up there. I think you can agree with him. The future interests me, Mark Twain says. I'm going to spend the rest of my life there. So let's do this. And, and I just want to review. This is week three, but I want to review what already we have said we might pack in our bags so that when then happens, we can do things now that will be helpful, that will make a difference. Well, the first week we were here, this is a mirror. And what we said is we, we, get, we get into, we step into front of mirrors and we stay there until we get things the way that we want them. And sometimes we might be ready to start to leave and we say, wait a minute, that's not better enough enough. So we go back and we work a little bit more. And so we've been saying to be ready for then, let's take a look in the mirror now and do something about it. Look now, take look at what's going on and then do something about it. And what did we say we wanted to do about it? 
Well, this is a Bible. It happens to be a life application Bible, life application Bible. I recommend that kind of Bible to you. This one has all kinds of good questions. It helps you. It will make the Bible and what it's trying to say personal, applicable to your life. Hence, it's called Life Application Bible. This is a physical one. You can do it by just downloading it on your phone or your device. You can find it and pay for it and use it. That way, you always have it with you. and You don't have to carry around a big, heavy book. So I have all kinds of stuff on mine, and so do you. So what we said was this book, where'd my mirror go? I put it back in there. This book is a mirror. This book helps us to know ourselves, encounter God. And what we said was, do that kind of stuff, and then we gave you a bunch of ways of getting started to to try to read it. What I want to sell this morning, if I could, and it wouldn't bother me one bit if you got your phone out right now and downloaded this app and quit listening to everything else I have to say the rest of my talk. What I want to sell this morning, one way to encounter this book is through a free app. It's totally free called YouVersion, Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. It's given to the entire world for free by a huge, huge megachurch that's in Oklahoma, life.church. It's a fantastic app. It has translations, it has little videos, it has devotionals, and you can go in there and start. So if somebody's now in the app store... And you're a church guest, you're online with our Wi-Fi, and you're downloading that app, then you, you have absolutely full permission to quit listening to everything I have to say. But what we said was that, that this book, and doing it with others, that's, I'm making a lot of points here, I realize that, but this is not easy. It's good, but it's not easy. Doing this book, encountering Jesus Christ together, is a mirror where we see ourselves. And this book will not let you keep going without making a decision about whatever it is in your life. And one other thing we said two weeks ago today in the first one, we said, let's have a one-word, put the mirror right here, it's not going to stay up, let's have a one-word workshop. And some of us did that this past Wednesday, and that's a word that God will use to guide you. That will, a word that God will use to direct you, to correct you, to encourage you, to help you set goals, almost like a, a north star. And so, as Kathy mentioned earlier, all the one-word workshop tools are on our website, but I wanted you to see what my one word is. It's hope. It's a great word, and I need some hope this year. There were lots of hope kind of words in the workshop Wednesday night, just words that said, man, it's been hard. And I need something to help me keep being going forward. One person's word was forward, if I remember correctly. So what I'm doing is reviewing what's in this bag. And what's in the bag is the Bible and a word. And the mirror helps us to get the idea over. And it's a way for us to begin to encounter each other and God through this book. And really, you will not become a transformed person if you don't get to know this book. Life is good and God is good. And people, God made human beings in his image. But our lives change dramatically when we encounter him in this book. And there's just no other way to get there. That's the way. Through doing this book together. Because the book is the word of God. It is the presence of Jesus. Hope. That's my word. So, you version. One word. Trying to make it simple and clear. But that's not all. There's more in the bag. Last week. Whoo be a little harder last week we said in order to be ready for the future what can I do now anchor yourself to Jesus that's what Kathy said anchor yourself if your anchor isn't set in Jesus Christ you will drift It's that simple. And Kathy gave us an assignment. She said, make an appointment with Jesus. Make an appointment with Jesus. And she said, do a couple of things in that appointment. She said, sit down with him. By the way, appointment doesn't mean a little quick tech chat. Doesn't mean a short Zoom meeting. It means you go somewhere for a couple of hours. And if you're raising a family and you and your spouse, you cut, give your spouse two hours, 
take care of the kids, you'll live through it, and then, and then you go have your time. So you must have an appointment with him, a, long, a sit down, face to face, come to Jesus meeting. And we had two questions we were asking in that meeting, and one of them was just telling God, God, this is how I think I'm doing, and just yabber away, God, this is how I think I'm doing. And the other part of it was to say, okay, God, I'm going to stop talking now. I'm going to listen. You tell me how I'm doing. And we're writing. And all of this is a real appointment, a real time, a real meeting. And it'll take a while. And you'll get distracted. But that's okay. That's where we are. Except let me see if there's one more thing in here. Oh, yeah, I found something else before we get to today's. Oh, look at what that is. Oh, it's, oh, 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 it's a buck shirt. So in order to be ready for then, I'll just go bucks. You know, I just had to say that today. Today, we're going to ask the question in packing our bags, know what you don't know. That's the point that we want to try to get over again today. Know what you don't know. And here's, here's the thing. The first step about knowing what you don't know is admitting that you don't know. Should I repeat that? The first step towards knowing what you don't know is admitting that you don't know. Here's what we want to try to understand this morning, friends. You are going to go through it. It's going to be some stuff that you, you know what's coming. But knowing what's coming is not equal to, let me just disabuse this assumption, knowing what's coming is not equal to being prepared for what's coming. And remember that the series is, what can I do now so that I can influence then? Knowing what's coming is not the same thing as being prepared for it. I'll use a, a kind of a, a huge and obvious example. Knowing that there's a big storm brewing in the Gulf of Mexico, a hurricane, Knowing that it's out there, and we all know before they come, has absolutely nothing to do with whether you are prepared in your home for it. Zero. So knowing that there's something coming next in your life, what kind of thing could be next? A new job. A child going away to college. How am I going to pay for the child going away to college? Uh, a, a change in my boss is coming. A change in, in my job is coming. A relationship conflict has to happen, and it's going to happen. Whatever it is, we know stuff is coming, but don't think just because you know it's coming that makes you ready for it because you're not, not unless we prepare. That's how, how we handle it. How, what can we do now to be ready for what's coming then? And here's what I'm trying to say this morning. This is the point this morning. Whatever is coming in your life, there are people out there who've been through it, and you need their help. You need people who've been through what you're about to go through so they can tell you what you don't know about what you're about to experience. The question is, do we have the right people on speed dial? Remember the show, uh, who, who Wants to Be a Millionaire, right? Is that, did I got it right? I, yeah, okay, so maybe you don't remember that television show. I can see I'm this, this, that one didn't work at all, the metaphor, the analogy. The, boy, the point was as you were being quizzed, but you had a lifeline. You could call one person, but you had to have the right person to call to have the right information. Who's on speed dial for you in your life to help you start preparing now for the stuff that's coming next? And look, they've written books about it. You can listen to podcasts about whatever you're about to go through, all that stuff. But we're talking about something different here in the house of Jesus, in the church, in the family of God. We're talking about connecting with a person. That's what we want to be doing. We want to say, oh, no, and I'm not ready. What keeps us for, from asking for help? Two things I'm going to suggest that keep you and keep me from asking for help. One is pride, and the other is fear. Okay? One is pride, and the other is fear. Let, let's look at a couple of texts of Scripture as we think this thing through. The first one is this book called Proverbs. This text comes up, for lack of guidance, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. For a lack of guidance, a nation fail, falls, but victory is won through many advisors. That's sort of a theme. 
you don't get any help, you're going down. Just sort of horse sense. And look at the second one, a second proverb I wanted to bring up for you. There is more hope, Proverbs 26, verse 12, for fools than for people who think they are wise. The two things I think keep people from asking for help, the first one is here, this proverb, and we'll leave this proverb up for you. Pride. Oh, I got this. I, no, I haven't done it before, but I can handle it. I, I don't need any help. I got it. little anecdote about this one. This is about Muhammad Ali, and I looked a little bit, and I think this is an accurate depiction of something that happened to him. If you don't know who he, he was, the greatest boxer maybe ever, and he was very quick-witted, and he was a world champion two or three times, lost a couple of times, but famous, famous for the way he had witty things to say, and even sometimes he sang them. Muhammad Ali gets on the airplane. Flight attendant goes by and says, please put on your seatbelt. And Muhammad Ali says back to her, Superman don't need no belt. And she looks back, doesn't even blink, and looks back at him and says to him, well, Superman don't need no plane either, put on the belt. <laughs> I'm not accusing him of being arrogant or proud. That's not it. I just thought it was a good joke. Why won't we ask for help? It's because if we do, then our ignorance is exposed. Here's something you can tweet. Ignorance is way better than arrogance. Ignorance is way better than arrogance. Why did Moses lead the Israelites for 40 years lost in the desert? If Moses had been a woman, they'd have been home in 10 days. Men, I don't know what it is about us. We won't ask for help. And that's a funny one just about directions when you're in the car and yet you're lost. But what is it? Really? I can't speak about women. And this is a generalization. I realize that, and, but I'm going to make it. We just, we're just stubborn, think we can do it. We don't need help. Oh, you need help. Trust me. And what happens is when we get help, this intricate, rich bond of relationship starts to happen. This is another thing I'd want to say. If you're worried about showing a weakness, guess what? Your weakness is probably someone else's strength. The person who can really do well what you're really weak at, that's the person you want to call. You want to be on the lifeline with that person and say, please help me. So why would we need help? Stuff is coming. Knowing it's coming is not the same thing as being prepared for it. To be prepared for it, we need now to start preparing. We need to get somebody else involved in our life. Use a lifeline. That's one reason. We're just proud. We think we know. We think we can do it without anybody. But knowing that we don't know is the for first step towards knowing what we need to know. We got to ask for help. But the second one might be something like this. Just pure fear. Think about the moon. The moon, we see only the part that has the reflection of the sun on it. But guess what? Every moon, every time we see it, the other half is dark. And let this be a metaphor that might be sort of the way you, you and I feel afraid. There's a dark side to your life. There's a dark side to my life. And I'm afraid of it. And I don't want people to see it. But the very thing that I'm afraid of, someone else is really good at. And so in the confidence, in the confidentiality, in the trusting and the love of reaching out to somebody, maybe it's a one-on-one, -on -one. maybe in our church it's one of our life groups, in this richness of relationship and of trust and of transformation starts taking place, when we let other people in on the stuff that scares us. Because when it comes, the then, if we don't start building a, a web, ooh, Ooh, screw. Are we back? Am I back? Okay. You and I are afraid to share our weaknesses, the dark side, the stuff that people don't see. We're afraid to share it. We don't want to be honest because we're afraid to be known. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that it's, it's vulnerability, it's authenticity, it's transparency. Those things make 
our relationships very real and they make them transformational. And you need help. There's no virtue in needing help and not getting it. There's just none. And so this proverb says it this way. Verse, Proverbs 13, verse 20. Listen carefully. What I have just said is captured right here. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. We need wise people around us. There are people out there whose very strength is the stuff that perhaps is scaring us. Their very strength is the stuff perhaps we're ignorant about. So pride and fear, they're not going to help us be ready then. But throwing a lifeline out to people now will be a part of how God takes care of us then. The brilliant, beautiful, powerful mind and spirit and heart of the Apostle Paul says all of what those Proverbs have said this way. This is from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read through it, but I want to just remind you, Paul, the leader of the Christian movement in the very beginning, writes to people in Rome who are in the middle of a huge storm of life because their very lives are at stake for being Jesus' followers. And if they wanted to, they could bail out not be brave and if they wanted to they could pretend that they weren't followers of Jesus and they could just hide but that's not what they did they were openly expressing their faith and inviting other people into an open relationship with Jesus and Paul is trying to encourage them and he writes these words to them and this is for us friends you and I were born for this We so much need to be God's people in our world today that don't let pride and fear block us from the intimate relationships that transform lives. You know what the city of Tampa needs right now? People who love each other really well. That's what we need. And we were made by God for this. We were born for this for right now. And if ever our city needed it, it needs it now. Treating people the right way. That's what we need to do. And Paul says it. Look at what he's going to say here. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. Walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Just just one more thought on that idea. Everything. This, by the way, is the message translation written by one man, Eugene Peterson. And we thought today we'd use this one because it's just so easy to get your fingers into it. If you went and looked at like the NIV or the New American Standard or another, you'll see different words. It's all the same stuff, but this one just sort of gets the ideas out really well. What I want to say about this is notice it's everyday life. It's not about drama. It's just doing what we already do really well, guided by what we learn about God in Scripture and in the context of these rich relationships. Our, your neighborhood, your family, your workplace so much need you. Showing them how to relate relate richly about your life. So that you can be vulnerable and authentic with people. Because you know you have a foundation of deep friendships with other Jesus followers. And you can do this. And then you can be an influence. And oh, we need to influence. Paul says, in your regular life, do all of it as if you're just offering it to God. That's what that means. You don't have to be religious. Just do it like, here I am, God in my job. Do your job as best you can. An offering to God. Be a really good friend in your life group or one-on-one as best you can. That's what he's saying. Do this stuff as best you can. And look at what keeps coming. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for God. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture. Friends, I just want you to know something. Our world out there is squeezing us. And one of the ways it's squeezing us is to have hostility and anger be the way that we relate to each other. The dark side of people's lives coming out maybe without them even knowing it. That's not the way the people of Jesus do it. Oh, do we need to see really good, truthful, humble, forgiving relationships. Don't let the world squeeze you. Because it's not even going to ask you if you like where it wants to take you. It's just going to take you there. 
The world is simply going to say, okay, you're not going to make sure you're doing it the right way, God's way. Good, I'm taking you where I want you to go. That's what Paul is saying. Don't let it squeeze you. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in even without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Again, the book with people in relationships where we're not afraid and we're not prideful, where we let people see what's really true about who we are on the inside. And look at this great line. You'll be changed from the inside out. Real relationships result in real transformation. This is Jesus Christ taking up residence in you and in us, and it's always both. And the next thing you know, we start openly, honestly talking about things. We drop pride. We cast out fear, and we become different people, and then we make a difference. That's what's going on in this. Readily recognize, says Paul. Readily recognize what he wants from you, what God wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, which is always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. There it is again, squeezed. And what we want to be is counterculture people. And today we're talking about people who are encountering God in the Bible and in each other, and we're letting the mirror that we look into become the way that we guide our lives into the future. So whatever comes next, you'll be ready because you'll have the foundation of relationships and the foundation of contact with God, and you'll have people, and all of that will make you able to get through it, whatever it is. Paul's last line here, God, working from the inside out, brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you, in your everyday life, where you walk, where you work, where you live, where you play. That's what Paul is saying God wants to do for us. So there's one last thing in here, and it's just reiterating a point. Today, what we're doing is this, Lifeline. This is a phone. Actually, this is an old phone. This is the one that works. But this one I'm leaving in the bag because we're not finished with the things that we need in our bag. This is a Lifeline. And what you're going to do is you're going to call somebody who's been where you're headed, and you're going to say to them, something's about to happen, and I know it's going to happen, but I have no idea what to do. And you're going to get some help. Lifeline. Today is about Lifeline. So we're talking about Bible, and we're talking about relationships, and we're talking about Lifeline. And that, my friends, will help us begin to know what we don't know so that we'll be ready when then happens by starting now to prepare for it. Brave people, followers of Jesus, People who are going to let others know everything about you, even the dark side of the moon. People who are going to love others really well. People who are going to encounter God together in this book where God lives. It is, in fact, God's words to us. That's how we can be ready and prepare today for what's coming then. Have the courage to admit that you don't know and call somebody for help. Please pray with me. Gracious God, we want to be your people. We need help. We want to be people who reach out. We want to be people who build relationships. We want to be people whose lives are truly, genuinely transformed by your presence. We don't want to be squeezed into the way they do it around us. And there's a lot of negative. What we want to do is be people who have phenomenal relationships with you and with each other and transformed lives that make a huge difference in the world. We want to love well the way Jesus loves us well. Thank you, gracious God, that we get to be your people and that we can reach out to each other. And there's so many people out there that can help us get through what's about to happen to us. And we're going to end up being somebody who can help somebody else get through something because we've been through it. Gracious God, we want to be this kind of person. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus, the one who rescued us, the person to whom and with whom we sing right now. My good friends, let me invite you to stand and celebrate just a little bit more this goodness of God that we've been singing about this morning. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me.